Julie, welcome to Saltier Politics this week. All right, stop, 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 stop. Uh, today is Emily's 30th birthday. I mean, this is huge. It's a big day. It's a huge day. It's You're 30. Day. It's a new decade. I'm um, really excited. You should be really excited. I was thinking about that this morning. I was a junior in high school when you were born, but that's neither here nor there. What's awesome is that I loved my 30s. They were like an incredible decade. It's only going to get better from here for you, and your life is already pretty good. I can't complain. So, And the fact that I get to spend spend my 30th hanging out with you, Julie, well, it's a pretty good deal. That's pretty lame for you, but I think that's amazing. And... Um, Happy birthday, and I hope everybody who hears this wishes Emily a happy birthday because it's a huge, huge, huge milestone. Thank you. What happened today that was a good... What What's the best part of your birthday so far, of course, other than doing this podcast with me? I'm just very hopeful, and I think that feeling, I woke up with that feeling, and that's really good. Awesome. Well, I'm super, super psyched, and I think it's amazing, and I'm so excited to celebrate with you. Anyway, all right, onward. What else is going on in the world? Well, I mean, I think Romney right now with this impeachment yeah. vote, I didn't think he had it in him. I, you know, I didn't think he had it in him either, either but go Mitt Rom. I mean, uh, look, that's amazing and good for him. And when the history books are written, um, his name will go down in the history books. And I think the... Uh, long-term political strategy. Long-term, very long-term. Post-mortal political strategy. Post-mortem political strategy. Um, good for him. Shame on Rob Portman. Shame on Lamar Alexander. Shame on Susan Collins. Shame on Lisa Murkowski. All of whom basically said, what else do we need to know? Of course, Trump is, broke the law <laughs> and is shady. But we don't either, A, want to be divisive or have this done along partisan lines. Well, now it's not along partisan lines. Now it's a bipartisan removal. So which of them are going to get rid of that talking point? And especially somebody like Lamar Alexander. Lamar Alexander is not running for anything anymore. Just do the right thing. What is the problem? They know that what he did was awful. Mitt Romney was absolutely right saying if his last name were in Biden, there's no way that Donald Trump would care about, quote-unquote, corruption um, because he's never cared about it before, especially when it comes to himself. Um, this is the same president who wants to get rid of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which, of course, would uh, legalize the bribery by foreign officials of American citizens in exchange for business favors. So some of these Republicans, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to assume that they're going to come to their senses, but I would really hope that Mitt Romney has led the way for them. And the best part is watching all the people freak out who voted for Romney in 2012, who are all big Trump supporters, who are like, I voted for that guy, and shame on him. And I mean, listen, I did not vote for that guy, and I don't think he would have made a good president, but how many people like Mitt Romney are left in the Republican Party? Not many. Actually, none in the Senate, besides Mitt Romney, but how many are left in the Republican Party? Not one member of the House of Representatives did the right thing. They just don't exist anymore. And that's really a shame. And by the way, I think Mitt Romney knows that when he's up again, um, either Trump will be out of office or Trump will be in a second term and maybe not as politically palatable, or maybe he will be. I mean, Romney could be primaried. He comes from a Republican state. Romney is now very ripe for a primary in Utah, but I'm hopeful that um, he actually doesn't get a primary. And I'm hopeful that he survives this because it's the right thing to do. And we need people like that in the Senate and both parties. Okay. Uh, switching gears a little bit. What do you think the impact of this Iowa voting debacle is having on the democratic party? <laughs> I mean, nothing <laughs> in the sense that, um, Iowa really is not 
that predict. I mean, Iowa. Listen, the there's, Iowa. There's a lot of whiteness. A lot of whiteness, a lot of oldness, and a lot of youngness in the sense that um, you really, if you have a job, it's hard to caucus. <laughs> if you have, um, uh, Iowa is very white. It is not reflective of the Democratic primary electorate. The whole caucus system is completely set up for people who've got time on their hands, which means college students and seniors. Um, it is not for people who have to work uh, one or two jobs. And... I frankly am not in favor of, you know what I'm in favor of? I'm in favor of a national primary or at least yeah. a primary where um, we change it up every four years. Because think of all the stuff that we do, like ethanol, all these policies that we have are totally to cater to Iowa being the first in the nation primary. And it's enough already with this nonsense. I think we need to change it up. And I, listen, I live in New York, you live in New York. There are a lot more of us than there are of people in Iowa. Why don't we ever have a say? I mean, we don't have a say until much later. And people in California have a little bit of an earlier say. But at some point, I'm so tired of being taken for granted. Like right. We're the ones that deliver the votes. Right. And I'm tired of being taken for granted. And it would be nice if we just had some sort of structure where we change it up. It doesn't have to be an entirely national primary. But why not announce in mid twenty? 19 or mid 2023 that the first batch of primaries will take place in some compilation of, I don't know, making this up, New York, Colorado, Georgia, and Maine. I'm, I'm just, you know, in Michigan, I'm, I'm making this up just to, to pick different samples from different parts of the region, from this country. And I know people are going to say, well, that doesn't give you time to plan and get a field staff on the ground, but that's the beauty of being agile and representing everybody. It means that you're able to actually get on the ground and represent everybody. You're not just pandering to a specific target audience, i.e. Iowa, um, every aspect of your political career because you think you might want to run for governor or president, sorry, for president one day. That would be nice. So in terms of the DNC or the Iowa Republican Party or whoever was in charge of this debacle, um, I'm kind of disappointed in the DNC all around. I'm disappointed in the DNC on this, and I'm very disappointed in the DNC by waiving the donor threshold requirement to allow Michael Bloomberg to be in the primary, because, sorry, in the debates, because while I completely understand why you might want to have somebody like that in the debates, I also think it's patently unfair to Kamala Harris and to Cory Booker and to Castro and to others um, who had to drop out of the race because they didn't make the debate stage because they didn't meet the individual donor threshold. And those are all people of color. And why are we making accommodations for a billionaire, um, but a white guy from New York, but not for them? I, I just don't think that's fair. If you don't want to have a donor threshold because you want to allow self-funders to run, that's fine. But then you should have made that Announcement don't, early don't on. Don't make don't change the rule halfway along. Yeah. In parenting, you're not changing the rule about what your kid can do because it, it's just not going to take you seriously. Well, it's not I mean, fair, like, right? I mean, like, right. <laughs> you're not going to change. If you're in the middle of a of a football game, you're not suddenly going to change the rules to allow you know some some good quarterback to get on the team. And look, I get the notion that okay, this guy's spending a tremendous amount of money, so people should actually expect to hear from him on his policies and not just what he wants to run. Fine, but you're really rewarding a guy who comes in with a massive checkbook, and that's not right. And if you had any assumptions that a Tom Steyer, who's got a tremendous amount of money, or a uh, Michael Bloomberg was going to get in the race, then get rid of the individual donor threshold from day one. And Tom Steyer, by the way, 
who has a tremendous amount of money still was able to meet the individual donor threshold to make the debates. So I think, right? So I just don't think it's fair and I think it's not right. And it underscores to the Sanders people and, and others and, and certainly the communities of color who, who don't have anybody left in that debate stage um, besides Fred Yang because Deval Patrick's certainly not making these debates. Um, it's making it clear to them that some really rich guy from New York matters more. And the last thing you want is a bunch of pissed off Bernie Sanders supporters if they don't, in fact, get the nomination because they're going to just say that this whole process was rigged and it was rigged in favor. You're you know? giving them the ammo to do it. Yeah, so just stop it. We need to unify everybody. And what's fair is fair, and this is not fair. So are we unified with Pelosi's badass move of Break of ripping the speech because I I thought that was the pilot. Uh, or no? No, I don't know. I mean, because it's like, do you fight fire with fire? Because Trump, that's. I mean, know? it's some. I I struggle with it because on the one hand, I keep thinking, we got to get back to a sense of normalcy, <laughs> and he's still the president, and you still have to respect the office of the presidency when he's there, and he still has to listen. He he is he is actually mandated to to report on the State of the Union. Now, he could have done it in writing. Nobody has to invite him to deliver it in, in a speech. But the reality is this is a tradition that we've had now for a few generations. And that's the one thing that the president does. And you might not like the president, but let's not stoop to his tactics because one day hopefully we'll get back to a sense of normalcy. It just underscores to me how much Trump has broken Washington in every way, even for both parties. And I see it on the left with the rise of the, what I call the, the left Tea Party, where suddenly everything's fake news and everybody only roots for their jersey and nobody has any convictions anymore about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about that last week. But I, I, on the one hand, so that's my one view. My other view is, are you kidding? The Republicans have been breaking the rules all this time and getting away with it, whether it's Merrick Garland or, <laughs> um, or Trump on a daily basis. And so... Maybe it's time that we stop playing by you know, Marcus Queensberry rules and start fighting fire with fire. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm undecided right now. Apparently, you're not. You think it's actually a good thing, right? I, I liked it. I was just like, finally, because everybody, why, why they support Trump is just, or a lot of different people that I've been talking to are just like he says what he believes, and now it's interesting to see when Pelosi does something like that that she just believes and that she thought what he was saying was a lie and bullshit. She went for it, and I liked that. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is about Pelosi is, of course, she's a woman, so nobody will ever give her the benefit of the she just says what she believes. Right. Um, it's, it's you know, calculated. It's, it's, yeah, it's bad manners. I, you know what I'm actually offended by? That they removed one of the fathers. Frank from, Gutenberg. Yeah, Frank Gutenberg from the um, school shooting in Florida for, for yelling. I mean, obviously, he shouldn't have yelled, but you're removing him and you're giving Rush Limbaugh? Oh my God. The presidential Medal of Freedom. And by the way, all right, let's just start with this. This is not an anti Rush Limbaugh is dying diatribe. I don't wish cancer on anybody. I hope Rush Limbaugh survives and thrives and he has the money and the means to cure stage four lung cancer. I truly do not wish ill health on him or anybody else. But it doesn't mean that you give a racist, divisive, <laughs> poisonous shock jock that kind of award. And he said horrible things about the LGBTQ community and the AIDS virus. Oh, he's a, like he said horrible things about everybody. He said horrible but, things about women. He said horrible things about African. I mean, he's just awful. You know, he's awful. He he. By the way, more than Fox, more than Hannity, more than anybody, um, even more than Roger Ailes to some extent. Although they worked in tandem for a long time, 
is the genesis of Trump. I mean, I remember living in Boston in 1994, and that's when Rush Limbaugh, for whatever reason, really kind of became huge. And all these people are driving around with the brushes right stickers on the bumper stickers on their cars and this was 94 and it took Rush Limbaugh almost 30 years to get 25 years to get his kind of guy in but he did I mean this is something that was a generation in the making if not more and again I'm not trashing Rush Limbaugh because he's on the cusp of death I'm trashing Rush Limbaugh the same way I would have five years ago or five five days ago before I learned all of this um you don't give somebody like that. You don't reward somebody like that with a presidential medal. For you. I mean, come on. There's a Tuskegee fire, Tuskegee Airmen in the audience, and you give it to Rush Limbaugh, right? Like, come on. It's not it's a very not, good it's example. Not, it's not. It's not right. It just underscores again what the world we're living in. This is like your angry grandpa watching Fox News and listening to Rush twenty four seven, and suddenly that guy's in charge of the free world. It's just amazing to me that this is what the president chooses to spend his time on. Um, well, on a more positive note, what's new with the Lift Our Voices? Lift Our Voices is just doing really well. We taped a great segment um, on the CBS um, for the CBS Sunday Morning Show, and we are going to uh, air it. Well, we're not going to air it. They're going to air it. Um, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. But they were in my apartment taping um we recorded in my apartment for oh god all day was it yesterday monday it was monday um for days and days i mean hours and hours and hours and it was great and they were such a great crew and they were wonderful um and my friend faith saley um who i know socially actually is, is doing the segment which is wonderful as well but um she did a great job doing this interview so that's coming to people's tv screens at some point which i will alert people to and um lots of interest just just great conversations from across the board and we are getting so much momentum i can't begin to tell you I mean, we heard from people in north in new mexico we heard from people um just across the country who want us to help with legislation they're sponsoring in ndas and it's just a great 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 mission and I'm so excited about it and I'm exhausted because it's taking up so much of my time but it's for such a good cause that I just I have not felt this energized about something in a very long time so I'm very excited I feel like you're learning about or just the even talking to you the extent of the issue I don't think I realized it so every day you must just be seeing how how extensive I guess the NDA a third of all American workers and they don't even know it that's the problem like people sign contracts they have no idea what's in paragraph 87 because most people don't have lawyers to review them Um, or it happens when you are suddenly told that you're being laid off and they tell you here's a severance and by the way sign right here on the dotted line to get your severance and of course you're shocked and you do and lo and behold you just signed NDA to prevent you from ever discussing toxic workplace issues um, that took place. And um, again, for everybody who's like, why don't you just give back the money if you want to speak freely? Well, again, that is for loss of not, um, that's for loss of career because most people who sign these NDAs don't work again um, if they file a lawsuit. Um, and a lot of these people sign NDAs where they don't even know that they, what they signed and they can't do anything about it. I work in politics and more and more these NDAs, um, it seems, are part of political contracts, certainly Donald Trump um, has held people. Uh, A.J. Delgado, do you remember A.J. Delgado? No. 
Agent Delgado was a huge and early surrogate for Donald Trump. She and I used to debate on Hannity. She was used to be on Hannity all the time. She and I actually debated on Hannity, and I'm not kidding, in November of, if not earlier, the 15, she and I were on, and she's like, mark my words, this is, Donald Trump's going to be the next president of the United States, and I kind of laughed, and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, she was right. Anyway, E.J. Delgado then works in the campaign, obviously is forced to sign an NDA. She just tweeted out yesterday that she is being sued for millions of dollars by Trump because she discussed her own pregnancy that took place on the campaign and the circumstances of her pregnancy, which is salacious and that I'm not going to get into it. But um, that's not proprietary campaign information. That's good campaign gossip about stuff that took place on the campaign that has nothing whatsoever to do with Donald Trump or his ability to govern or anything else. And she's being sued, and it's absurd. And so this is a Republican problem. You know what I went through with Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, who's a Democrat, so it's a bipartisan problem. All right, so what are you salty about this week? Um, what am I salty about this week? Uh, you know, I'm not that salty. I'm actually, well, I'm salty because I haven't gotten much sleep. <laughs> I'm excited. First of all, I'm excited for your birthday. So that's no reason to be salty. Um, secondly, I'm excited, um, because of all the lift our voices stuff that we've been doing the last week or so. And I guess I'm, I guess the one thing that makes me salty is the continued hypocrisy of partisan allies, um, both Democrats who turn the other way. Um, and refuse to condemn behavior that they would be very quick to condemn on Trump. And then separately, um, Republicans who, if this were a Democratic president who'd done, who had done what, what Trump did, would be like outside the White House with pitchforks. But they're, of course, excusing this because, you know, it's just, you know, boys will be boys and Trump's not that smart. So that's what makes me salty. But it's the same thing that makes me salty. More and more, I'm getting salty about just how completely hypocritical people who are complete partisans are about behavior. Right. What um, about you? I am, well, first, I am very sweet on, did you see the Super Bowl halftime show? Yes. Oh, oh wait. Shakira and J-Lo, I'm excited to get older because goddamn. Well, I will tell you this. Actually, I'll tell you what makes me salty and that's where all the people are like, this is a stripper. And she, have you ever, I took athleticism. I mean, I actually took a, there was a class, I think it was at Equinox. I forgot where it was. Maybe I I got it through like Groupon or something. Um, but it was a workout where you actually had a pole, like a stripper pole and you had to, um, climb up it. I, (laughs) I couldn't, like, I couldn't lift my arms over my head. It takes so much core strength to do that. It's amazing. It was incredible. It was incredible. And like, oh my God, oh, look at the example she's setting for her kids. My seven-year-old watched it. And he's like, what's that? I go, it's a pole. And he's like, what's it for? And I said, you try doing what she's doing. And I guarantee you, and he's really athletic, you know, my son, but I guarantee you, you won't be able to do what she's doing. It takes a lot of work and a lot of practice. And by the way, all these people were, my daughter had to see this. And what lesson is this teaching our daughters? You know what? If J-Lo on a stripper pole is going to make your daughter turn to a life of stripping, uh, problem's not JLo, my friend. That is the problem. Is the problem is the way you're raising your daughter. Like if that's if that's if your daughter was about to go to medical school and suddenly she watches the halftime show and she's like, wait, I've got an alternative. I could be a stripper. Uh, no, that's not how it works. I thought it was a beautiful show of women's empowerment because yeah. come on, they were both Latina women, absolutely kicking butt and owning it. And not only that, people are like, oh my god, they're using you know they're just objectifying themselves. This, you know they're just sexualizing themselves. Is this the lesson that we're teaching people? You know what? Here's the deal. 
they are both powerful women who have agency. And what makes no sense to me, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. It's just the whole thing is so frustrating to me because they're just not, um, I don't know. They're just there. It's, it's like, there's no, uh, there's no understanding that they can do what they want. By the way, if JLo wants to put on some extensions and climb up a stripper pole, she's a really accomplished woman. I mean, the woman is a producer. She's a singer. She's a, I think she's a director now. She almost gotten, she should have been nominated at NC Hustlers, but everybody tells me she was amazing in Hustlers. She was. It was awesome. I mean, she's like a triple threat. And same with Shakira. And by the way, everybody's like, why is Shakira doing that thing with her tongue? I think it's a Lebanese thing. And I think Shakira is of, is of Lebanese descent. And I think that's, um, a cultural thing that she was doing, but what are we teaching our boys about concussions? I mean, we're sitting here. Oh my here- God. That's what I'm salty about. Did you see the Aaron Hernandez documentary? No, but I am not surprised. I know exactly what you're going to say. Yes. It, his brain was just a raisin of nothing of, of just, and how institutions like the, the Patriots looked away about when they know that their athletes are being hurt and that they, they know they're acting out It's just, it's a money-making game and it's at the expense of these young men and especially in college too when they're injecting them with uh, painkillers so they can keep playing. And they're not being paid, by the way. That's the best part in college. Think about how much money Penn State football has made for Penn State and those players aren't getting paid. Right. It's just one example. And they're sacrificing their bodies and brains. And brains. And some of these people get injured in college and can't go on to play professional football and that's that. And they're not getting paid for it. So I'm all about making sure college athletes get paid commensurate with their talent. But I also, um, considering, again, how much money they're making for said college, uh, what is also problematic to me is that everybody who's complaining about J-Lo and Shakira is not saying word one about that, about what lesson are we teaching? You know, I wouldn't let my son play football at that level. I mean, if he was an adult, he could do whatever he wants. But I mean, there's no way. Mm-mm. There's no way with all the concussion and all the brain damage that we read about, it's not healthy. And listen, I watch football. I watched Super Bowl. I actually got into football this season, um, better late than never, but it's fun. I appreciate the game. I think it's actually a very smart and strategic game, much more so than I understood before. But what's fascinating to me is it's still a brutal game and I still don't yeah. understand how it's actually legal to do that to somebody. Um, but if I'm not sitting here complaining, oh my God, look at the Super Bowl. What are they doing to each other? They're savaging each other. They're giving each other concussions. They're breaking each other's necks, you know, and worse. Essentially a meat market. It's essentially, a meat, <laughs> yeah, exactly, a meat grinder. Right. Um, but you're complaining about J-Lo putting on, uh, you know, a leotard and st- shimming up a stripper pole? Good for her. Oh, I did a workout yesterday. I had a sh- just solely Shakira JLo workout. I was so happy. Every time I got tired, I just thought of them at the Super Bowl and I'm like, they're 50 or JLo's 50. JLo's 50 and the Shakira I think is 43. Yeah. I think that was her birthday on the Super Bowl. I'm like, I can keep going. Yeah. And by the way, how awesome was Shakira, sorry, JLo putting kids in cages and the whole Puerto Rican flag. Like it was a really subversive halftime. Good for her. I loved it. I that, loved it. That's what to do when you want to make a stand. She's she's using her voice in a way like yeah to do that. No question. I'm totally and I was never a huge J Lo fan before. Um, 
but because I'm really not a big A-Rod fan, um, and I didn't know much about Shakira, but I loved it. I thought it was amazing, and I think that, as again, having watched it with my child, and now, of course, everybody's going to be tweeting me being like, oh my God, you're a bad mother. You let your seven-year-old son watch that. Yeah, you know what? My seven-year-old son is not suddenly going to be like, I need to go to a strip club. Oh my God, I just watched Shakira and <laughs> J-Lo up a stripper pole. I, oh, I, just, I need to go. Like, he watched it, and I, the only question he asked was about, he was kind of, you know, fading in and out of interest on it but um he asked what she was what the pole was because I think he thought it looked like it was fun um because he's a big climber of things and that was one and then the other um thing I just said to him I go could you imagine the level of, he asked if they were lip syncing I said yeah probably but it's very hard to be as athletic as they are and also sing as well as they should be singing when they're doing that so it's hard. I mean, it's really cardio. I mean, just the, the, the strength training and the cardio training that you need to do what both of them did is incredible. And so go JLo, go Shakira. Um, and JLo, listen, JLo survived Ben Affleck. She came back. <laughs> that, that's a good lesson for all of us. There we go. She survived Gili with Ben Affleck. <laughs> she's still standing. I mean, granted, she's with A-Rod, which is whatever. But um, anyway. Um, I thought it was awesome. So I'm very excited about that. I agree with you. I'm a little salty about all the pushback on JLo and Shakira, but I'm not surprised from all these. Oh, by the way, it's always from like these people with American flags and MAGA things. And they're like, this is not a good example. People are so hypocritical. You know what? Your kids are able to take it. They just are. And the key is to sit there and explain. If they ask what this is, you explain it. And rather than saying, that's a stripper pole, honey, don't you dare become a stripper if you watch this, or don't you dare to go to a strip club, and you just say it's a pole that takes a lot of stamina to do what she did. It's a, a tool to help her dance. I don't know how else to describe it, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's absurd. It's absurd. It's the same stuff that people are like, I can't believe I had to explain what oral sex was after Bill Clinton. Well, like, you know what? Better you explain it than somebody else explains it. Right, that just shows an education problem in our country. Yeah, and make it a teachable moment. Exactly. And if your son is old enough to ask what oral sex is, he might be old enough to have it explained to him in a good way. And if he's, like, I guarantee you, if this were 1996 or 97, and we're in the middle of the Clinton scandal, and my seven-year-old were asking you, he wouldn't even pick up on it. He wouldn't understand. No. He, it just It's not something that he would pick up on. And if he were old enough to pick up on it, then that's when you have the discussion. Yeah, no, the bigger threat is your son asking to play football after watching the Super Bowl, as opposed to by the wanting way, to go to a strip club. By the way, which is what exactly what he did. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> I want to play football. And I was like, well, luckily you live in New York City. We don't have any kind of football program here. But, um, but yeah, I'd be much more worried about him wanting to play football professionally after watching that. Um than anything else so to jayla lifting our spirits at the super bowl and you lifting our voices oh and happy birthday <laughs> and me having a happy birthday and being excited to get older <laughs> sounds great